Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And occasionally, we delve into sports that I know absolutely nothing about. And tonight's no exception. But I hope by the time we end this podcast, you and I will know all about the sport of bodybuilding. We're joined by Tristan Maria and Kyle Timmerman. Good day, gents. How are you? Good yourself, Lee. Good, Lovely good. Thank you. Let's start with Tristan, the more experienced of the two bodybuilders. Tell us a little bit about bodybuilding and what it all entails. So, Lou, it's one of the most complex, and I would say, I wouldn't say it's the hardest sport out there or most toughest, but it is one of the most complex and one of the toughest lifestyles to maintain, not just as a whole, because it's a 24-7 thing, whereas I was a professional swimmer. I swam for the junior Olympic team back in 2012, where a swimmer, yeah, he trains his five, six hours a day, maybe. But after that, he goes home, he chills. You know what? If he's in the mood for chocolate, he eats a chocolate. There's a lot more flexibility where, as in bodybuilding, it's a 24-7 thing. If I'm not in the mood to eat my chicken and rice, you, you kind of have to. Um, if you really dedicated to the sport... And I was actually speaking to a, a client this morning and he literally, he was with me for three weeks and he said to me, he can't do this lifestyle. And he's got so much respect for us doing this. As this morning, I woke up at seven. I did an hour um, on the treadmill, just walking casually just to get some steps in. I went to the grocery store, got my, my goods for the day, started prepping. I prepped for about an hour and had my first meal. So you know what, this lifestyle is, you dedicate everything towards it. And unfortunately, it is one of the loneliest sports you'll find or lifestyles you'll find, especially if you take it extremely serious. It seems to me as though you spend 99% training and 1% competing. Is that fair? <laughs> I think I spend 99% cooking and eating (laughs) (laughs) to be completely honest but because i train about let's say 60 70 minutes a day tops um that's excluding my cardio if i'm in the off season i do about 15 to 20 minutes cardio in prep i can go up to about 40 minutes of cardio um obviously it's dependent on everyone that's just my circumstances but competing yeah you you prep for 16 weeks to get five minutes of glory on the stage, which in fact doesn't seem fair. But at the end of the day is you do this or that's my seeing is I don't do it to get on stage. I do this because I love it. I love having a, a strict regime. I love being in like a routine. I love actually just sitting there and, you know, like now my most chilled state, I know all my meals are prepped for the day. I can chill, I can relax, I can work. Obviously, today is my rest day, so I don't train. So see, there's numerous times where I won't be training or training takes an hour of my day, but it's what you do at the other 20 hours of the day or 15 hours. That's what's the important part. So let's talk to Kyle Timmerman now. Kyle, you've been doing it a little bit less uh, in terms of years that Tristan has been competing and, and you were recreationally competing since 2021. With a rugby background, I'm told, how did you get from f- a flank on the side of a rugby scrum to bodybuilding? 
Lou, it's actually um, it's quite a funny story. So obviously with COVID and stuff, rugby took a huge backseat. Um, training was hard to do in the teams and the setups, even in the semi-professional setups like varsity squads and stuff. And at the time, I was training with a Vits varsity squad. And obviously with COVID, everything got shut down. Um, now, on the other side of the, of the notes, uh, my uncle is quite a big gym enthusiast. I've always loved training because of rugby. And during that COVID time, you know, to keep active and whatever, um, he invited me to go train with him for a bit. But he still currently is. He's at another coach, uh, George Herwell. So I started with George and um, I trained with him, I mean, for quite a long time. You know, COVID eased up. I kind of went back to rugby, but because it was so on and off, the most consistent thing for me was my gym training. And um, George himself was a bodybuilder. And he said, you know, you obviously need a goal to work towards. Why don't you try to do a bodybuilding show in 2021 just so that you have something to work towards? I know without playing rugby and stuff, it's taken a bit of a strain. So I thought, you know, what a good idea. Let me give it a go. And at my first show, it was honestly the most unbelievable experience. I, I enjoyed it so, so much. And then I finished, you know, I um, did the show. I thought, you know, cool, I've ticked it off the list. It's something I've done. And I went back to rugby for a bit. I noticed I didn't, wasn't enjoying it. My body started, you know, all the injuries come back and bite you. And I just thought, you know, maybe this isn't for me anymore. So I decided to give just training a go, just to enjoy my training in the gym more. And the following year came around, something just said to me, hey, why don't you just try to do another show? Um and I did. And I've, so from 2021 to 2022, I did three shows, I believe. And um, I enjoyed them quite a lot. But I didn't do it as like a competitive state. I did more as giving myself a goal to work towards um, during the year, you know, to keep myself on track. And then beginning of this year, I contacted Tristan to do mentoring under him because he also does mentoring for young coaches who are aspiring to also you know, take it to the next level. And during our, our chats about that, I had mentioned that I was prepping for a show and he made me a really nice offer to prep me for that show I was going to do. And just during that whole process, just the way that it went and then doing the show and then rebounding, I did another show four weeks later, that whole process, I just fell in love with it more and more, even after the first few shows, you know, that were a bit more um, relaxed. I just fell so in love with the process that I said, you know, it's something clicked and it's like, this is what you, what you need to do. And that's kind of how I ended up here. Is it a sport that you can take up as a profession where you can actually earn a living? Um, I must be honest. So Tristan probably has a better answer to this than I do. But from what I know, if as a bodybuilder itself, so competing on stage, there's very, very, very little money in it it's not something that you know you can do 100 percent of your time and that's all you do it obviously becomes a huge component but financially speaking to make a living you have to have a side business or really good endorsement deals um like the guys overseas bodybuilding itself is definitely not a income thing it's it's more of a passion than anything else and it's all the other extra stuff that comes with it that may allow you to make a living off of it. Okay, let's go back to Tristan. I've been onto your website. You frighten the you know heebie-jeebies out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a very intimidating look, yes. You look like you would have <laughs> blixed me. I mean, you look so angry. Why? 
I think it's just the whole persona I've got on Instagram. I'm actually like a big fluffy teddy bear. Okay. <laughs> or like a big airless teddy bear. Anyone that knows me knows I'm extremely soft-hearted. I'm a gentle person. I am strict as a coach. I think Kyle can knows that yeah. by now. I'll put it straight to you as it is. But my loved ones know I'm a big softie. And I think this whole persona on Instagram or my socials see me as this I wouldn't say cocky, but this arrogant, mean-looking person, <laughs> if I can put it like that. And I'm actually, it's more of just the whole theme of my my coaching, if I can put it like that. To get a body like yours, that just doesn't <laughs> happen overnight. I mean, you, you've clearly been working on your body for years and years and years. So, yeah, I've been competing now. This will be my 10th year competing. Um, I'm currently 24. I'm turning 25 later this year. Uh, my first show was at age of 15. And I started really looking, in my eyes, good by the age of 20, 21. But also, remember, since I was 15, I was dedicated to the sport day in, day out. For example, I went on matric vac as a matriculant, and I had my chicken and rice packed on the way to the jaw. <laughs> You know, like, there's no, I haven't had alcohol in about nine years, not touched it. Um, training religiously, became an enhanced athlete by the age of 20. So for five years, I did naturally. And yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. It is loads of dedication, loads of commitment. And unfortunately, you do lose a lot of people in your life. But it's a sacrifice I was willing to make. So you obviously need just to train differently to build up different muscles in your body. Absolutely. So what I tend to do is I do either a three-day or a four-day split with clients where you'll train each muscle group maybe once or twice in a week. Um, I'll never do a full body thing on a day, if that makes sense. Um, so let's say, for example, my split is on a Monday, I'll do chest and shoulders. Tuesday, I would do quads and calves. Wednesday, I would do back and biceps. On a Thursday, I would rest, such as today. On a Friday, I'll do chest and triceps. And on a Saturday, I will do shoulders and hamstrings. And on a Sunday, I'll rest again. So obviously, I get in everything that I need to train and everything develops equally, if that makes sense. It certainly does. Let's go back to Kyle. Um, from rugby to bodybuilding, the training regime must be totally different. Absolutely. I mean, so look, the dedication to any sports, I suppose, just requires all your time. Um, so in rugby, whereas you may be doing three, one and a half hour to two hour sessions a day, all around conditioning, strength, um, strength training, field training, all that. In bodybuilding, the regime is obviously very different. But um, if you look at any study, it's the taxing part of it that has on your body from the training from any sport is obviously very different. Now with bodybuilding specifically, it's not the stereotypical meathead thing anymore. I mean, guys like Tristan and all the top coaches in our country, everything is very science-based. They constantly stay on top of most the optimal way to do things. And in terms of that... I mean, Tristan has to force me to take two rest days a week. If he had it his way, it'd probably be more like three. But um, 
the training intensity itself when you train is huge. I mean, the requirements you have to reach, like you say, a body like Tristan's, it's not going into the gym and doing a few bicep curls. It's it's doing it till, you know, you till failure. And a lot of people listening probably won't know what that means. But in essence, you push your body to a limit where it actually physically cannot do it anymore. Um, and that's the kind of intensity you need to train at to be competitive. But it may seem a little less, like Tristan said, I mean, you train an hour, maybe an hour and a half a day, including your cardio, whereas other sports probably spend five to six hours a day training. But, you know, the recovery time is just as important for us and the results obviously speak for themselves. Now, as a biokineticist, would other biokineticists agree with the kind of training regime that you do when you talk about pushing your body to the limits to the point of actually you know breaking down is that something <laughs> that other kineticists would recommend <laughs> so obviously um that was just my field of study but all the qualified biokineticists out there i can almost guarantee you will not agree because it's kind of counterproductive in a sense to what you know the profession entails which is rehabilitation but no, it's obviously, it's specific though. Like I said, it's it's very science-based um, and it sounds very harsh saying it like that, you know, um, where you push your body basically to failure and breaking down. But that's essentially um, what you need to do because that's what, you know, pushes your body to go through all the processes that allow you to build muscle, to build strength um, and to shape yourself, you know. So I mean, it may not be an overly... Um, endorsed idea but it, it works for us both of you come from a more regular competitive sporting background you obviously rugby player and moving now back to tristan who, who was a swimmer it must have been just a hell of a difficult transition from the kind of training you would do to participate in a swimming pool to what you're doing right now whereas the one is active all the time every day swimming and training and you know pushing your body to the limits whereas you say this one is so scientific how did you change your mindset to do what you are doing in terms of bodybuilding so i did swimming for about seven years um up until age 13 and some swimmers will know the times, but at age 12, I swam a 50 freestyle in 2014. That was, by that time, the Junior Olympic qualifying time. And to give you an idea, Roland Schumann is about, what, a 21 second. So 12 years old, I was really close to his time. Okay, three seconds is a lot, but I was 12. <laughs> yeah. And the, the training we had to do was extremely intense. I mean, I had to swim an hour before school got home, then I would ride my bicycle to the gym, which wasn't far, it was about three kilometers. I would swim for about two hours. After that, I'll go gym for an hour, hour and a half. After that, I'll ride my bicycle back home, and then it will be around five, six o'clock in the evening. So it was a crazy busy day. Every day, my time schedule was on point. Um... And my fitness level was extreme. My love for bodybuilding started to appear at age 13, 14, when I started training. So I didn't usually do a gym session after my swimming sessions. And from there on, I started doing, a, let's say, about an hour, hour and a half of training because my dad is a bodybuilder. Uh, and okay. yeah, the love for that just grew and grew and grew. And I started 
hating swimming. It sounds bad, oh. but I absolutely despised getting in a pool, freezing. I mean, like, I would get out like a little blue. I looked like Avatar after I had a <laughs> swim session. Um, so that just became, to me, I started hating the sport and the extreme intensity. I mean, some nights I would swim between 6 and 8 p.m. At, in the evening um, as training. I mean, at 12 years old, doing three, four, five hours of training a day, you start to resent your life. I mean, I had no life. I had no friends. All I did was swim, 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 swim the whole day. Weekends, we had gala meets, so I couldn't go out with friends. And it was almost like a blessing in disguise doing the bodybuilding. Yes, now I, I don't get to go out with friends either, but <laughs> I think my my free time is a lot more than what it was. And from your point of view, the change from rugby to the bodybuilding, the the running, the exercise, the physical activity of playing rugby to what now, there's almost no physicality, I guess, in bodybuilding. I suppose like contact physicality, there's none. And I often say, you know, sometimes I miss the sport of rugby. Um, and, you know, probably at times I'll play the odd fun recreational game but the transition was a bit more difficult for me because it's going from being so busy all the time but you know everyone had to go through it I suppose the same period like I said it started at COVID it was difficult to get used to but like Tristan says your free time becomes a lot more and it's it's nice because you get to focus on other things you know you get to broaden your horizons in a sense um, which is really nice or like you know take more downtime which you know, it's a kind of pro and con of everything. Um, it's not an easy lifestyle, like Tristan said, because it's 24-7. But it's, I suppose the downtime is easier. So your discipline has to be high, but you do have a lot more freedom. Let's just go back to the myth that we all, and I'm sure you have heard a million times, both Tristan and Carl. Firstly, people say, oh, you guys are injecting yourself with all sorts of anabolic steroids, and that's how you get your muscles that side. And then others are saying you eat raw eggs and swallow all sorts of weird <laughs> protein building. Clear it up for us. So if anyone had to eat raw eggs, I would call you an absolute moron. <laughs> the chances of getting sick via salmonella is far higher than what you'll gain anything from a raw egg. <laughs> <laughs> Your body won't even be able to digest the, the protein properly in the first place. Yeah. And yes, we do drink shakes. Um, this <laughs> whole myth of it's only chicken and broccoli, chicken and rice. I mean, I just ate my first meal, which was prawn, um, <laughs> cream of rice, spinach, and an omelet. So, <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't say freedom. But if your coach knows what he's doing, obviously not all food types are recommended, yeah. but there is a way to fit in foods that you do like. For example, I'll have a bowl of Rice Krispies every day. You know, I've got pumpkin in my meal plans, bagels, um, you can name it. Um, so there's a big stigma about So if you're taking it more professionally, in a sense, professional being in quotations, um, you will go the more enhanced route via steroids. That's legal or not? Are you tested? So in certain federations, you are tested, but it's not illegal. In that type of federation, yes, which I 
don't even recommend competing. The guys that are more into the sport know exactly which federation I'm talking about. And unfortunately, the federation is a very biased approach. Um, I tend to look at federations that don't care about doping, which is bodybuilding is there to go to the extreme. I'm not saying do it like a moron. I'm saying still do it safely, but push a limit. And how much of a limit, Kyle, are you pushing? At what point are you going to say to yourself, as somebody who studied biokineticism and so on, are you going to say, okay, I'm going to go this far, but I'm not going to go over that line? So, I mean, I think personally that the line is different for everyone else. So for me, the way Tristan handles it puts my mind completely at ease. So it's constant blood work. Um, he checks up on you constantly. It isn't easy. Um and there are times where you think, you know, is it worth it? You question it, but it's one of the things you have to do. And in terms of pushing the limits, it's like I said, person dependent, as far as you're willing to go to reach your goal. And that will be my line, you know, um, you speak to Tristan all the time about it. And it's, you know, constantly checking, you know, where are we going? Why are we going there? And but the way I'm looking at it is where I want to go. Um, wherever that line needs to be is where it will be. But like I said, there's, it's not something you do like a moron. It's not like you, you pick up a needle and jab whatever you can into it. It's very well thought out. It's very meticulously planned. The, the research that goes into it is insane. And I mean, just in the space, you, will, you don't put dumb body. You don't do it stupidly. You do it very moderately within certain guidelines that have been studied. So it almost takes all that pressure off. Um, but like you said, if you're going to do it like a moron and decide to <laughs> inject as much of everything as possible, thinking it's going to get you the results, then, of course, there's going to be some really bad repercussions. How often do you compete, Tristan? Wow. So I've done more than <laughs> four shows. And I try, personally. So what my, my venture currently is, is going for IVB Pro card. And unfortunately for me, just to compete for the love of competing is absolutely stupid. Because the way I push my body to an extent where there is a limit to it, I would say, yes, I don't try and compete too often, but I try and do my regional and as many pro shows in that year possible. Pro show meaning if I do win the show, the overall of the show, I get my IFBB pro card. So I try and not do more than two shows a year until I get my pro card. But also, that will be dependent on whether I placed, for example, last year, I did three shows. Um, one regional and two pro qualifiers, which I missed out on both pro qualifiers, unfortunately. Tommy, there must be different divisions and different things that judges look for. Absolutely. So each federation has different divisions with different criteria, which you'll find on all their websites. You've got a certain criteria to maintain, to work towards. And obviously, we all wear different type of posing trunks, shorts, whatever the case might be. And Carl, yourself? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I also, I've only competed maximum twice in a year. Um, like Tristan said, when at, at his level, obviously, it's a 16-week prep. So each competition isn't just the day of the competition. It's 16 weeks of preparation. And again, it's not easy. It's far from easy. And uh to do that more than once or twice a year is over the top. Um, so, yeah, generally to keep it between one and two a year is, is the idea. 
So, Tristan, now I mentioned earlier in the podcast the, the picture that I saw on your website. You're 24 years old. How are you going to keep yourself looking like you are now when you're 40 and 50? I mean, this is obviously something that you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. What happens if you stop training? Does that all just turn into fat? That is exactly what I wanted to talk about earlier as well. This whole stigma of whether I inject once and then turn into a Hulk or whether I stop it and turn my muscles, in quotations, turn into fat. Oh, that's the most common thing I hear is when I stop, does it turn into fat? No. (laughs) It takes your body about up to six months of doing absolutely nothing to start breaking down muscle. Whether it's naturally compounded or you got it enhancedly or whatever the the fact might be. Yes, you do have to maintain it. If anyone who knows how my dad looks at age of 57, he's a monster. I mean, my dad's built like a mini me at currently. I'm currently bigger than my dad, but um, my dad looks like a straight up bodybuilder and he'll still put some oaks to shame on the stage as we speak right now. Unfortunately, I underwent a heart surgery very recently. So not as we speak, but um, by last year, you could still compete with the top guys and still be competitive. Um, and it's unfortunately, it's not a thing of where you'll have to do extremities to maintain it. My dad trains every day, eats his food. You know what? It's about consistency. And over that long period of time, for example, if my dad goes on holiday, he won't train, have a nice time, but he's not just going to turn into fat or lose all his muscles if he's not training for a week or two. And that is the whole thing. Maintaining it, you have to love it. That's why I said I do this lifestyle and sport for me, for myself, and not to impress anyone else. Because the moment you do it to either impress girls or whatever your, your thought behind it might be, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I guess like anything else. Tristan Marais and Carl Timmerman, thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you for joining us on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Um, I'm quite happy with my six-pack of rolls. Be nice to each other. <laughs> Until next time. Bye for now.